a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Each other, the resolve is strong, it's hard, this is the next step. Go let it rip, time to go. Thank you, coach, enjoy it. Chris, that's let it rip, Ben. Go let it rip. Go let it rip. How much did Michigan lose by? <laughs> yeah, da 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 da. Go let it rip. That's funny. Nay, I didn't show up. No, Jake Michigan and Ben show up. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Jake Scott. Ben Anderson. Yeah, that uh, you know, uh, that's all well and good when you win, right? And they put that on the. That's Harbaugh. Yeah, he is. He is a crazy person. That's the best part about him. Who was it? Was it? What did Lane Kiffin say? When uh, Ole Miss was playing Alabama, and then they just got uh, destroyed Browns. in yeah. the in the pregame, he said something like, "It's going to be a heck of a show" or something like that. And then they just got trounced. I was trying to explain to my father uh, Ben on New Year's, worked New Year's Eve, New Year's yep. Day, but sandwiched in a little family time there on New Year's Day. I was trying to explain to my dad, who's a huge sports fan, why I like Lane Kiffin now, like yes. why I've yeah. come around on Lane Kiffin, and I, your I dad just, hasn't. No, no. And I was just, I I was trying to tell him how funny he is, Lane Kiffin is, and how he's like done pretending uh, about, you know, what the coaching profession is not and really turned into what it is because he kind of became the face of it, right? The the out for yourself, I'm going to go anywhere, mercenary kind of dude because of the way he left Tennessee. So he's kind of the poster child for it and has embraced it as opposed to like... Here's a comparison. I don't know. But that I, most of our listeners will get. Okay. He's the Miley Cyrus of coaches. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he kind of started out as this young hotshot, Hannah Montana, and then kind of became the joke, which was like, you're, you, like, you kind of fell apart. Things were, you know, remember Miley ended up yeah. getting in trouble with just whatever, just by being a kid. And they were uh-huh. like, well, you're not Disney. You're not Hannah Montana. Right. And he was like, he was supposed to be this young hotshot. And then he lost and he kind of got fired and was kind of a joke. And then he handled it so well and came back and recognized the joke and laughed at himself and is now just a star. The same way, like, Miley Cyrus is a star now. She's just a superstar. And understands, like, I was this kind of young joke. I get my dad's a joke. Like, I understand why people are not believing in me. And still, all I do is, you know, win and show that I'm very talented and have success wherever I go. And he's kind of that same point where it's like, you know, I enjoy that you get it. 
I enjoy how much he understands that he's the joke yeah. or was the joke and has handled it well and has never taken it so personally that it let him destroy himself the same way I think Miley has let herself be Hannah Montana and funny and can like go on SNL and laugh at herself and now is just very successful and out Okay, I can buy into the comparison. So it's like That's the good. young okay. star who handles yeah. getting mature where most people can't do that. Right. It's really hard to be a young hot shot and then make it as like a middle-aged person and I think that's where he's getting. I've actually had this debate multiple times. Better Miley song, Party in the USA or Wrecking Ball? Wrecking Ball. It's not even close. Oh, see, I, I'm completely... Party in the USA. Yeah, right? I'm all Party Why? in the USA. It's just a better song. It's not a better it's song. It's upbeat. So? <laughs> I don't care that it's upbeat. Ben, ben is a not song. upbeat, so not yeah. a surprise. Yeah. Uh, no, Party in the USA is also one of the great sing-along songs of all time where you can't help... So but- is Wrecking Ball. That's an anthem. Wrecking Ball is an anthem of a song. Party in the USA is not. It's the bubblegum. It's popcorn. I know exactly what. Five, six words yeah. of Wrecking Ball. Came in like a Wrecking it. Ball. Yeah, that's it. How many of, do you know of, uh, what's his name, Neil Diamond? Ba, ba, Sweet ba, Caroline. That's all we know. Way more. No, you, than don't. you think way you do. More. No, you, there's only 12 words in that song, period, and you know them all. So it's like, yeah, I know the whole song. <laughs> more than Wrecking Ball. I'll and grant you, know you I couldn't I, sing it. But... I know five from Party in the USA. Maybe fewer. Oh, Party I could... in the USA. I know four. Remember how you have to write down Shakespeare speeches in yep. uh, English class in high school? I could write you Party in the USA really? right now. Really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't, but I could get closer on Wrecking Ball because it's just I came the in like a Wrecking Ball. Interesting personality uh, test there for you, Ben. And Megan, you passed it. Congratulations. Getting, of course. We had a big weekend of sports. <laughs> Beyond Miley Cyrus. We did. Although I, re- I love that comparison. All that, right. That's who I feel he is. Okay. That, that's and I can appreciate right him on the money. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll get to the jazz a little later on in the show, but of course the Rose Bowl. And Ben, probably, and, and you tell me if you can think of another, but the best college football game of the year. Uh, January 1st was full of great college football games. In fact, uh, the Fiesta Bowl was incredible. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State Notre Dame was great. Yep. But man, what what more could you ask for in a vacuum? Take your fandom out of it as a Utah fan and it's it's too bad that they lost because it would have been so fun and had such good storylines built into it. But even regardless, just in a vacuum, I mean you had Kick returns for touchdowns. You had gutsy performances. You had a backup quarterback coming and almost win the game, making an incredible throw. Makai Bernard having to play both sides of the ball, having the crazy touchdown early in the game in the corner of the end zone. I mean, that was such a fun game. And then the video game numbers that you saw from Ohio State that were so absurd, and you saw two absolute superstars in the making that you know are going to wreak havoc in the NFL once they have a chance to get there, which still isn't for a few years, but Stroud has set himself up now to be the Heisman favorite next year. It was such a fun game to watch if you love college football. If you didn't have a rooting interest in that game, that was by far, I think, the best game of of the college football season. I think so, too. Not even close. Uh, Absolutely amazing. Now, I'll start here, Ben. When Britton Covey caught the the kickoff with nine seconds to go... I thought, if he returns this to the house, oh. get Ben's brother on the phone. Yeah. Th- there's going to be an epic Disney movie made Correct. about this entire story. The team, the, Britain, I mean, like, everything. It, it, it was just Correct. Uh, a David versus Goliath. And uh, I mean, I was like, get Ben screenwriting because we're going to make a fortune off this thing. Because, I mean, it just set up that way. And the fact that Ohio State actually left nine seconds on the clock, which Correct. was crazy. Uh, and I thought, this is just set up and of course you know 
real life, it doesn't work out like the movie's been. But I thought this is you couldn't have set up a more dramatic ending. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, we can get into all it, it was not an let me put it this way. It was not a difficult game to diagnose why Utah lost. Correct. Um, it wasn't a difficult game to diagnose why Ohio State won. Ohio State found a glitch in the system. Yes. Ben, there was a there was a particular version of Madden that I played quite a bit when I was a kid that had one play that worked every single time. Yeah. And it was just a, a glitch in the computer programming. It was like a 10-yard in. And the corner overplayed it every single time. And you right. had like a not only guaranteed catch, but basically a touchdown. Unless you were playing against Deion Sanders. Thus, right. my friends and I competed to who get to play with the Falcons because... Sure. You had Deion oh, Sanders. Oh, Super Tech Mobile um, growing up. The, yeah. You get the Raiders and you had Bo Jackson. Right. And he was half again faster than everybody else on the field, so it really didn't matter. You could give him the ball it and was, he would just run in circles yes, around everybody. Exactly. And that's exactly what Ohio State did. That's exactly what they did. Yep. They found a glitch in the system uh, and uh, Jackson Smith uh, in Jigba. Yeah. Nijigba. Nijigba? Yeah. I've been dreading pronouncing that yeah. uh, all day just because I'm so bad at names. Yep. But he had the best bowl game in the history of college football. Yeah, as a wide receiver. Uh, Not mean, just New Year's Six bowl game, any bowl game ever. Any bowl game ever. And the Utes, and I thought PK, I think this morning, made a, made a really great point. Like everybody said, well, a shorthanded Ohio State team. How about a shorthanded Utah team playing a running back at corner Correct. for the whole game? Yeah. That's how shorthanded they were. And listen, Makai Bernard, long and short of it, was the reason Utah lost. Now, yes. before you get mad at me, that took more guts. Correct. To to do that, right? Then I mean, talk about you're going into the biggest game of the year, the biggest game in Utah history. Your coaches come to you and say, "Listen, we're short, so short-handed yeah. at corner. Yeah. We know that you played corner years ago right. in high school, and we're going to need you to go out there and cover the best wide receivers in the entire country." Ready, team up three. No different Break. than if. Jaden Redding, who probably played quarterback at some point in his life and is now a punter at the D1 level, if they're like, well, we don't have Cam Rising, and of course Charlie Brewer left, we need you to play quarterback in this game. Yes, the situation of not having any depth there to go out and say, just somebody who had been playing it this year, practicing yes. it this year, who's going to go up against the guy who's going to be a, what, fourth overall pick? Fifth overall pick in the draft in two years? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you look at what Jamar Chase is doing right now. I mean, won the Bengals a game over the Chiefs yesterday and, and looks like he has them potentially as a Super Bowl team in the future. That's how good he is. That's how good Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be. And, and we talk about the players they didn't have in the wide receiving core for Ohio State. And he was the best of the three, even though the other two didn't play. And he was just absolutely, absurdly incredible. Fun to watch. Heartbreaking for Utah fans. And that's unfortunate. C.J. Stroud was ridiculously good as well. But shout out to Makai Bernard for not just telling his coaches no. Right. I mean, he, no. he could say, listen, I'm not going to go out there embarrass and, myself. and yeah. on national television in the Rose Bowl. He didn't I embarrass mean, himself. No. No. No, I, you know what? My favorite part about his game, actually, I shouldn't say this to uh, uh, like that because somebody actually got hurt. But did you know that? Did you notice that he was going to finish every tackle? Yes. Regardless, yes. Uh, he could have just shoved him out of bounds. But nope. he, that's a running back who's been tackled for his entire career yes. and is ready to to return the favor. Be on the other side yep. of it. I thought you know you could have just nudged him out of bounds. And 
Well, one Ohio State player hurt his shoulder. Correct. And it was like, oof, okay. And yeah. then the, the very next time he had an opportunity to push somebody out of bounds, he tackled him. Tackled him again. I mean, yep. That's just what he was going to do. But the, the courage uh, to be able to do that, I mean, I, you just can't. Uh, it's it's amazing. Now I wonder why Utah didn't blitz more. We could talk about that. I think there was a few things. A they could have either dropped in coverage more or tried to dial up the pressure, but neither worked. That was the unfortunate right. and, thing for Utah. And again, it was a it was a glitch in the game. I mean, right. Every time he touched the ball, a big play was going to happen. They Utah just had no answer for it. I mean, and, fifteen receptions. And his average per reception was 23 yards. Yeah. Like, we've seen Stupid. 15 reception games, but your average is going to be 7 yards, right. 6 yards, because you know what I mean? Yeah, you'll get a little slant over the middle. You're Britton Covey. And you're not getting the deep ball, but you're just reliable. You have great hands. You're going to catch it. Averaging 23 yards, those are big plays. I mean, those are game-breaking plays. And he averaged that on 15 yeah. catches. It was just absolutely absurd. Uh, there is no argument that Utah didn't belong in that game, which is saying something because Ohio State... You see why they were right next to being a playoff team. And probably, you know, could have been going to the national championship had they even made the college football playoff. I know they lost to Michigan, but, you know, they, they are in that conversation, and Utah was right there with Ohio State and belonged in that game and had an opportunity to win it. And unfortunately, things just didn't break their way. But that was an incredibly fun game. I don't think there's anything for Utah to feel ashamed of. Oh, no. And then, like you said, you know exactly what the problem is, and you know how to fix it. You need better special teams next year. And you need a, you need more corners. You need better help in the secondary, which is so funny because if you were to say what have been the strengths of Utah's football program for the last decade, you'd say the secondary and special teams. And it's the one thing that just those boxes weren't checked yep. this year. They just were not as good as they have been in, in years past. Well, there's a reason that uh, Utah's had great corners for a long, long time. Um, I mean, going back to Coach Mack. But it's because Kyle Whittingham's defense, We when we picture that defense, we think, oh, it's predicated on a, a smart safety or being big up front, and, and we think of those positions. But the, the, the ability to guard one-on-one has forever been the key component in Kyle Whittingham's defense. Yes. Forever. Forever, Because yeah. it, it, it frees everybody else to do uh, up to do all these creative things that he likes to do because, you know, going back in the day, Arnold Parker is out there on an island or Bryce McCain or Sean Smith or any of these yes. n- unbelievable corners that have played at Utah, you know, right up to Jalen Johnson and Clark Phillips. I mean, these, these great, great players because he has to have those players to run the defense. But if that doesn't work... They're they're in trouble because that's why that defense is so good, and we we saw an example of that. We've seen others over the years. They're very few, but we've seen it. We've seen it against USC a couple of times. Think Juju Smith Schuster yep. a few years ago, yep. and when it doesn't work, it's disastrous. Oh, even Drake London this year yeah. was kind of a good example. To like, you can look back, and this is what is so fun about sports, and what's so great about the story of every sport. You can go back and look and say, "Hey, this was." foreshadowing for the bowl game. And Drake London went off against the Utes, even though they beat USC. He went off. He, the Utes had no answer for him. And now you look back and say, well, yeah, week four or whatever that was, week five, there was some understanding yeah. that Utah was going to have an issue there. And they just never faced that quality of uh, wide receiver again until they got to the bowl game. And there's only a, a couple of them in college Correct. football. Correct. I mean. Drake London is probably almost as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's not quite there. 
clearly. I mean, that that game that she's had is that that's the best performance I've ever seen anyone have against Utah. Oh, it was amazing. But it's one of the best performances in college football right. history, like we said. And then, you know, honestly, the two best players Utah saw, saw this year just happened to be both ends of that connection, which is C.J. Stroud was by far the best quarterback Utah saw. Boy, he can sling it. And he's, I mean, he's just going to yeah. be a superstar. Yeah, I mean, he he's can got sling it. Deshaun Watson written all, I mean, you name it. He's going to be an absolute superstar in college football and then in the NFL as well. Uh, you're going to hear that kid's name for a long time. And again, the foreshadowing, this is part of the story. You know, Utah's going to remember that guy going to the NFL and you're going to say yeah I remember the uh, I remember the, the first Rose Bowl Utah played in and I say that because Utah is going to go back to a lot of Rose Bowls this is not going to be the last one they go to in fact I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're back in the uh, in the New Year's Six Bowl game next year one thing that did surprise me Ben uh, I thought Utah would run the ball better good for Ohio State the, the questions about that team were going to be on the line of scrimmage. You know, we talked to Matt Brown, who's an Ohio State fan and, you know, very knowledgeable about college football. And he said, you, uh, because they were missing players on the offensive line, specifically their left tackle, we thought Mika Tafua was going to have success getting to C.J. Stroud, and he didn't. And then we thought Utah was going to be able to run the ball on them because this wasn't your classic Ohio State defense. And Utah's, you know, they, they ended up with 226 yards rushing, which is great. But 60 of them came on that weird fourth down play from Cam Rising. You know, Tavion Thomas was just not the guy you could give the ball to and expect him to go out and have success. He only had a 3.7 yard uh, per carry average. So Utah really was not destroying them on the ground like I think you and I both probably thought they were going well, to. Well, when they were sitting on that lead, they needed to run the ball. Correct. They needed the they couldn't stop Ohio State to the point where they just needed to play keep away and the run game wasn't there. I yep. thought that was if they ran the ball just a little bit better and kept Ohio State, uh, you know, a possession less. Off Obviously, the yeah. yeah, the 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 final was 48 to 45. Right. So, um but uh, this game Ben and it was we were here doing the Jazz game so I was talking to coach Lacombe who was around the Utah program around uh, uh Utah basketball program around this time, but it totally reminded me Ben of Utah in the national championship against Kentucky. Because remember, Utah had a lead yep. at the half, yep. and you, Kentucky didn't play particularly well. And and the way it came out in the second half was Utah just holding on for dear life. They went through that that long stretch; it was like nine minutes or something like that, where they didn't have a basket. And Kentucky just the it felt like a drip that was ready to yes. burst. Yep. And that's exactly what that Ohio State Utah game felt like. That Utah was just it was leaking. And it was about to burst, and could they hold on long enough? And and the answer was just no. Yep. And look, he, but it was a heck of a game, and it really did. I mean, I, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm putting Utah down, and I'm not at all. It is just the difference of being Ohio State and getting these five star kids. Like I, I hate to say it because Utah absolutely have all those players deserve to be on that field, and then there is still this that next level of kid that you can recruit that is going to get 300 yards receiving in a bowl game or five, 600 yards passing. Hit 570 passing yeah. yards and six touchdowns. That's just, I mean, that's just a next level player. That's just, that's beyond what Utah gets to knock on that door and you're still building to that spot. And Utah has incredible players and, you know, guys that are going to play in the NFL. And then there is still that next level of superstar player that it comes along once a decade in, in college football, and they have two of them right now. Right. And Utah's had them. For sure. No question about it. Uh, see, the, I, those, that's why I try to avoid, well, I do this all the time, actually, but painting with a broad brush, because Utah's had them. The truth is, you, Ohio State just gets them more. They have a right? lot of them. When, when Utah has Luther Ellis back yes. in, the, in the 90s, 
You know, he almost single-handedly lift that team oh, to an Jaylen unbelievable Johnson. season. You know, Jalen Johnson's Johnson, a legit star. Clark Phillips even like showed that he's a legit star yeah. in the making and is going to be good. Alex Smith was obviously Correct. a next level well. talent. Eric Weddle, right? But you know, rarely do they have him on the same team the, at the same uh, time. How many of those kids were diamonds in the rough? I mean, Weddle right. was, Alex Smith was, Jalen Johnson wasn't. But that's the nice thing about Ohio State and what they get to do. They know that hey. This kid is going to be reliable in these biggest moments. And not, not that Utah's kids weren't reliable. Utah's kids did incredibly well. But it is nice when you're Ohio State when you can say, well, we're going to be able to give the ball to C.J. Stroud or, or Smith and Jigba, and we're going to, or, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Can you believe Marvin Harrison's son's really good at college football? Like, can you believe that he's actually out there dominating and had three touchdown catches as well? It's just nice to be able to have those things, and, and that's what Utah ran into. But... Uh, incredibly, incredibly fun game. And part of Utah's story going forward as well. Again, we talk about planting yeah. the seeds, writing the story. You had to get to the Pac-12 championship a couple of times and lose before you broke through. You won the Pac-12 this year. Absolutely. You have a conference championship. You get that trophy. You get to put it up in your practice facility. You get to recruit off of it. All those things mattered. And the next step will be winning a Rose Bowl. And it's going to happen. You just you don't know what it is. And it's still something to uh, it's still the carrot that you get to chase. And that's a fun part of football. And everybody's talking about the Pac-12 being 0-5 in bowl performance. And I do think it's an accurate reflection on the quality of play uh, from the conference this year. Uh, but with that in mind, Utah more than represented itself well. Utah I mean, does not and, carry that burden. No, they do not. And look around the performances of the rest of the league. Yep. It's just, oof. Yep. But no, Utah represented itself extraordinarily well. And uh, yeah, like I said, best college football game of the year. I mean, just in, incredible. And it sounds like a lot of Ute fans out there had uh, enjoyed the experience of, of going down to the Rose Bowl. I'm still never going to be convinced that parades are interesting or, or worthwhile in any way, shape, or form. But I'm told that's the one to go to if you're uh, going to go. A parade. The Rose a Bowl parade. parade. Okay. Uh, you parade guy? I've walked in a parade. Have you? I have. Oh, yeah? Did you wave? I did. I carried a banner. And then I once was the announcer for the 4th of July parade. Maybe it was 24th of July, but it was the 4th of July parade. We're out on what's oh, must be Murray Park. It was like 54 South and State Street. And uh, me and Kyle Gunther were doing play-by-play of it for some reason. <laughs> we were doing the commentary. And then one of the... <laughs> floats came by and they started throwing stuff at us like old hard candy batteries like they were just whipping stuff at us batteries? that was the last time yeah it's like mean things to be throwing at somebody That's, that is mean batteries they must have been doing a bad job I guess I have more sympathy for the actors Be of old when they would throw tomatoes and cabbage and you know old vegetables at you Wow. It's funny the the uh, kind of different things you get to do in this business. One of my first breaks, Ben, was – I'll keep this short, but the, we were broadcasting the marathon for some reason. It was it was the Salt Lake Marathon's first year, uh-huh. and they were like, hey, let's throw it on the radio. So I got to ride in the truck that is, oh. that is you know, right in front of the, the leader, which is an interesting experience because yeah. you're just staring at this guy. <laughs> For a long period of time, but I had no—I don't know—marathons or running Correct. or splits or any of this stuff. Correct. I can't pronounce these names. And thank goodness, and I'm oh, somebody tweet me or or call Megan and remind me of the guy's name. The, he was the or he is he might still be the cross country coach at BYU. Huh. Maybe the nicest man alive because he saw me and he's like this this young fellow's drowning over here. Let me give him word for word exactly what he needs to say on his uh, reports from the front. Very nice guy. Life's tough. But yeah, calling a parade? Yeah. 
you get some weird thing you've done so you end up like you said you what, do it, it was the 24th of July so either like, the 4th of July or the 24th I can look it up I can, I've got here comes of it the still. Murray Third Ward exactly exactly we had a you know an eight page dossier of what the different things that were coming through and it was, it was look like, at those oxen pulling that cart Phillips HVAC is coming yeah here. that's awesome if you need if you need experience. HVAC services give them a call that's amazing but yeah that's why uh, they pay to be in the parade but it seems like yeah a lot of a lot of folks uh, enjoyed their experience thank you Hatch Ed Istone Ed Istone Ed Istone shout out to Jake for listening yeah what's up Hatch um but anyway, coolest dude I mean, ever at like Istone. Two two rooms down from us, and still he's listening. Yeah, that's what Hatch very, does. Very nice, yep. Um, at Istone. Shout out to Ed Istone. Hope you're doing well out there. Thanks for bailing Saved me you out. One point. <laughs> Thank you so much for for bailing uh, me out. All right, Ben. We'll we'll talk a lot of college football. Uh, if you you know have thoughts, feel free to share yeah. them. Um, we have the open mic feature on the Zone Sports Network app. Uh, you can tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone at Ben's Hoops. Uh, or d- we'll take your calls. Yeah, DJ and PK, we're taking a bunch of calls today. If you want to call in and share your thoughts on the Utes and the Rose Bowl, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. We'll mix in some uh, jazz as well. It is a game day uh, here on the station, and uh, the jazz had a big game against the Warriors. It was a bad day around the state. Tough. Coach Lacombe was looking it up, and I think, I want to say that Dixie State and UVU were the only two teams to win on New Year's Day, like everybody else. And one of them like, beat an in-state team. Oh, yeah, You know what right. I mean? It was like uh, they beat SUU or something. Yeah, right. Everybody else. <laughs> Someone had to win. <laughs> everybody else had a rough go. And the way Utah basketball lost, too, because they were up at halftime against Oregon. It's like this give you hope and then just yeah. kick you right where yep. it counts. Yep. Yeah. Tough. Uh, we'll get to more. i a sports fan. True. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What the? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. Belt, belt. Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz take on the Pelicans tonight. Tip-off coming your way a little after 7 o'clock. Pre, uh, no, excuse me, 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. Here's Mike Conley's thoughts on uh, taking on fellow top teams in the NBA like they did Golden State over the weekend. There are always great opportunities when we get to play against the, the best in the league, and especially when we consider ourselves to be in that conversation. We want to compete against those guys and, and win those games and play in those big games and have those moments because those are the teams that you know we're going to have to match up with when you know the time comes in the playoffs, and we want to try to get to where we're trying to go. So it's an opportunity for everybody to really test themselves, challenge themselves in every facet of the game. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. I hopped up the plane at LAX. 
with the dream my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame access. This is not wrecking ball, actually. This is the jam, Ben. It's upbeat. This is a funny, people have broken down the song because she says she jumps in the cab and looks to the right to the Hollywood sign and everyone's like, well, it's actually on your left if you're in a cab, so she's really? never been there. Yeah, people have been like, there's there's, there's been criticism about this song. They said, unless she's like sitting backwards in a limousine <laughs> driving, it's never, the Hollywood sign is never when you're leaving LAX going to be on your right side. But that's it's, California people seems, for you. Seems nitpicky. It does. A little bit. A little, a little bit. And maybe it just The lyric fit You know what Exactly You know what Going back You watch the Beatles documentary I'm telling you You gotta do it on Disney Half the words that you think Are like These are the most prolific lyrics I've ever read They're like It just kind of fits the song I don't know what it means I don't know what I am the walrus is But you know what It fits right in there It's a great lyric For this this piece of music It doesn't mean nothing That's what uh, Miley does Yeah Bernie Toppin listened to the uh, listen to the song Your song He couldn't find a rhyme So he talked about How he can't find a rhyme (laughs) Hey, I told you, I'm listening to a biography on Shakespeare right now. He did the same thing, apparently. They found lines where he's like scribbling it out and like, there's just not enough words. There's just not enough syllables in this line. So I'm just going to slap it in there. And we're like, perfection. It's the greatest line in the Amazing. history Brilliant. of the Brilliant. English language. Right. It's like, well, it fits. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Isn't that so much of how life works, though? I mean, we're talking about the youth smashing Mackay Bernard into a spot as a cornerback. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. But there are times where people are like, well, we just need a guy to do this. We just need somebody to stand at this position for you. And, oh, it turns out that guy ends up being in the NFL. You know, they're just in the right place at the right time. And it turns out they know how to do something. Or it worked at that moment, so we're going to rely on him. Crazy, the spot that he uh, he was thrust into. Tough. Really. Yeah. But, hey, you, and that's the thing. You know what? It, this is not criticizing Utah or certainly not criticizing Bernard. But, you know, you, you know where you make mistakes. And when you make a mistake, the other team finds it. And when they find it, they're going to exploit it. And that's what happened all night long. It did. It did happen all night long. So. And uh, I guess you can't blame Ohio State. Shout out to, uh, to our guy, Scott Mitchell, uh, Ben, because I had to uh, tune into the radio broadcast a little bit because I had to go from my home to the studio uh, for the jazz game. And so I listened to uh, Scott doing his thing. And uh, Scott, who was like, they're going to go to this all game long. Uh, this is in like the second quarter. He's like, get ready because they're going to do this for the rest of the game. And then that's exactly what they did. Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can always send me a DM. Uh, he said, the Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls. That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? SC's going to be back on top with a competent coach for once. Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be uh, doing pretty well. I mean, they don't go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put Oregon in the USC category. I don't know, you know, if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis. But, yeah, why not? Washington yeah. goes a bunch. Yeah. What, every, what, maybe two a decade? Something like that? Yeah. Like, that's very reasonable. And that means that USC's winning five and somebody else is winning three. Like, I think Utah could very easily be at two a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program is right now. Uh, the Hammer, John Wilner, said that uh, it would take Utah 20 years yeah. to get to a Rose Bowl. Yeah. They did it in 10. Oh, I think Locke said it was going to be like 25 years. Yeah. You know, it's like, n- nope. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? I think they'll be back... Or have the ability to be back, and uh, they're not, um, you know, like Arizona State's been to uh, two Rose Bowls or something like that in the last, or since they've been in the yeah, league. Arizona's never been, right? Arizona's never been. I, I, I would 
bet on Utah to be better than that. Correct. They are better than that. Yeah. Yeah. They've got reasons they're better than that. Some of them are built in. But yeah, it's no, it's great. Utah's going to do fine. Utah is, yes, here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that. I think it's I'm fair. Sorry, Denton doesn't like I, that, but. You know what? Ultimately, what they do after Witt retires is what that will hinge on. Sure. Do they put somebody in place who can carry it on or, you know, heaven forbid, take it to the next level? Or do they hire somebody? Listen, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. Yeah. You know, were they going to hire somebody to replace Frank Beamer or were they going to miss? And they missed. Yeah. And it stinks. Right. And you think like, oh, they're going to ride this wave forever because they found a great coach. He wanted to stay there forever. And it's like, well, never mind. I mean, not. But then look at Florida State that goes right to Jimbo Fisher and wins a national championship. And eventually that tide turned as well. But it's all about who replaces the guy. We saw it fail uh, when Utah was replacing Majerus. And it's they haven't found the guy since. Looking between Utah football. And BYU football. Since when did when did Mac get hired? Ninety or ninety one. Okay, so that's thirty years ago. How many years of bad coaching has there been between the two schools? It's sixty years combined. Uh, two, three out of four years of Croton. Three. There's been three out of sixty years. Yeah. There's something in the water here. Pretty good. There's something yeah, in you're right. Utah that allows for stability. And coaches stay. And coaches stay, yep. and they have success. And I don't know if it's the high school kids. I don't know what it is. But people have success here. Coaches have success here. You know what? If Witt retires next year or in a couple of weeks or whatever it's going to be, whenever he retires, if they just hand the ball off to Morgan Scally, there's not going to be a huge drop-off. Like, he's not going to be as good as Witt. Witt's been doing this for 20 years. Witt's gr- a great Hall of Fame-level head coach and is going to be in the pro or the College Football Hall of Fame, deserves to be there, one of the best that's ever come to the state. I- I've said I think he's in the same conversation as Lavelle. He's, he, he, you can't reach any higher than what Witt has essentially done at Utah. It's as good as it can get. So there's going to be a drop-off there. But you know what? There's going to be so many good candidates for that job. To continue to do what Utah does well, and if it ends up being Morgan Scally, I think Utah will be just fine. Point being, they got to hire the right one. Yeah, got to do that. Don't hire Justin Fuente. Don't be silly. Don't try and get too <laughs> tricky. And you know, we'll, we'll see what Utah does with Kyle McDonald now. I mean, Kyle McDonald's yeah. leaving for USC. At least that seems to be the direction. He didn't announce that, but the ties were USC wants him. He announced yesterday he's stepping away from the Utah football program. We can put two and two together and say he's probably going to end up at, at USC. We'll see where Utah goes with their running backs coach. Are they going to go alum? Are they going to go Quinton Ganther, which seems like the obvious choice? If he wants to leave the NFL, maybe he doesn't want to leave the NFL and go back to recruiting. I think that makes a lot of sense if he's confident he'll still have a job in Jacksonville next year, which is certainly not guaranteed to him because they're going to be looking for a new head coach. But, you know, do you go that direction or do you go way outside the box? Kyle McDonald was a little bit outside the box and he worked out really well. So I think there's a couple of things to watch. He's a good coach. Um, I I saw the discussion online of, uh, you know, Utah or or fans or coaches or whatever should be bent out of shape that it's a lateral move. You know, it's tough to blame somebody for leaving – for a promotion, you know, but lateral move, you know, you're going yeah. to be the running backs coach there. But I think it's about recruiting because recruiting really is hard. Yep. And it's easier at some places than others. And if you're an assistant in college football, your number one job is recruiting. Everybody thinks your number one job is player development. Nope. It's not Correct. game planning either. That's what it's we're talking recruiting. about. Yeah. yeah. You know what was so, nice at Ohio State over the weekend? They had two five-star kids playing quarterback and wide receiver. So going somewhere where you're set up for success in recruiting, yes. uh, there's definitely value there. There's a legit chance Kyle McDonald can go out and recruit the next Reggie Bush to USC. He can't do it to Utah. 
Now, you can turn Zach Moss from a three-star kid into a five-star yeah. kid. You can turn Jalen Glover, is that the next kid they've got coming in, from a three-star, borderline four-star kid, hopefully into a five-star NFL prospect or Tavion Thomas. But you know what? You don't have to look for Tavion Thomas when you're at USC. You don't have to go find him. You don't have to convince him when he's leaving Cincinnati to come to Utah. You don't have to do those things. It's easier to do that. And we're not going to know his salary because if he goes to USC, it's private. It's still probably $150,000 a year more. I mean, honestly, it could be that much even for a running backs coach. It's a lot of money. The the. Well, this is college basketball, obviously, too, but uh, college coaching is a lot like the mob, Ben. It's like, who are you bringing to me? What guys are you bringing? Yes. What, you know, great. Oh, you, you can teach me how to hang on to the football. So happy about that, which Kyle McDonald obviously did uh, this year. But who, wh- who, how can you recruit? What players are coming with you now? What players are coming in the future? What is that? That's their scoreboard. It's right. What are you kicking up? Yes. What are you bringing into the program? And uh, with Kyle McDonald, a lot. So I'm sure USC can see that. Yep. We can, Ben, and we're pert near blind. Yeah. My left eye is really not good. <laughs> uh, but Utah has done a nice job at uh, replacing coaches over the years, yeah. which is interesting because Witt isn't the best networker, but he's also open-minded. In fact, he's probably had his best string of hires, I think, in the last few years as far as going out and getting position coaches. Right. When you look at Colton Swan and what he's done, and of course hiring his brother to come in and be the tight ends coach, and it just so happens that those end up as great. Right. I mean, Kyle McDonald was a great coach in recent years, yep. who has turned out to be really good. So uh, Witt, for whatever reason, maybe it's because people are believing in the program more and its ability to compete in the Pac-12, but people have come in and had a lot of success. Well, uh, it was Dave Christensen, the, the yeah. wing nut who came in and was offensive coordinator for one year that brought Jim Harding. Yeah. And Witt's like, hey, got something here. this guy can coach. And probably recruit. Yep. I'm going to hang on to him. Dave, not so much. Hey, Dave. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> See ya. Where is he now? Where's Dave? I don't know, but you still hear horror stories about Dave's brief time in Utah. <laughs> wasn't real popular. Wasn't real popular, uh, Ben. Doesn't look like he has a job currently. But he is responsible for my favorite post-game moment he was ever. A, he was the O-line coach at Arizona State most recently. Uh, let go in 2020. What was it? What was your story? No, no, no. Don't you remember uh, when the, it was Wyoming? He was at right yep. the head coach of Wyoming and uh, was yelling at Troy Calhoun. Yes, called him Mister Mister Howdy Doody. <laughs> yes. Called him Flyboy. <laughs> Flyboy. Well, I mean, it's because like yeah. it's because Troy's players were faking injuries to slow down Wyoming's offense. But it's a, it's Air Force. They do all sorts of dirty, cheap stuff to try and win. What Fly do you expect? Force. You mean the guy who's in the Air Force? And his daughter is holding him back? Remember Fly that? Her boy. daughter's like, Dad! It's great. Dad, stop it. It's great. Hey, should I do this now? When did I take my victory lap for Alabama crushing Cincinnati? Oh, like no, no, no. Let's, going to. let's tease that. You want me to save that? Let's, let's save that. Should we do that at the – you want to do it at the top of the 11 o'clock hour or you want to do it next? We can do either one. You tell me. Let's do you the top the of the show. Let's do the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Can ben, I take a victory lap for that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And annihilate this person on Twitter? I mean, it was, it was kind of a bold prediction on your part. I don't know if it was, and that's why I feel weird about even taking a victory lap. But I'll wait. I'll do it at 11 o'clock. I'll do it in 15 minutes. Well, some, uh, some dude on Twitter threw down with you over it, though. I think you know, you're know you the one with the radio show. so I'm the only one who had anything on the line. I recorded all that incriminating audio that's never going to come to light. 
Oh man, I, I said looking, all those horrible things. I was looking forward about to all those important people locally doing that. <laughs> all right, stay tuned. We'll do that at the top of the eleven o'clock hour because, uh, of course, we'll talk a little, uh, a lot of college football. And yes, the the semifinal games were not good. Not good, we'll not talk some terrific. Jazz basketball next though. Yep, you got it. Coming up next, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. It's nice to have a visit from Lloyd during the break. He's always got a story. He's always got a story. It's actually never nice to hear from Lloyd during the break. It was nice when he left. <laughs> much happier when he left. <laughs> it felt so much like a, it's like a cloud has been lifted. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Jazz. Ben uh, Ben's really going to uh, take a victory lap and and uh, rub the nose of a certain nameless person on Twitter, faceless or whatever. Yeah, but we're really going to drag him over the coals. Coming up next, so stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Um, jazz falls short of the Warriors. Ben uh, on New Year's Day, one twenty three to one sixteen. Uh, I thought it was an incredibly entertaining game. I mean, kind of like the the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it uh, I know it didn't go Utah's way, but it, it was an incredibly fun game to watch. I love watching the Warriors play. Love watching Steph Curry hit a couple of big shots. Uh, but they got uh, the the reason the Warriors won is they got better than usual performances from a number of different guys, and they are really good defensively. Yes, I was. You know, I've been a little critical of them, and I'm not sure I'm willing to back off my lack of belief in them to win whatever it is for playoff series to win a championship this year. And so I'm not sure I necessarily believe that they're a contender because I think it just takes so much for them to play well. Now, maybe Clay comes back and is a superstar and changes that a little bit. I still think they need a couple of, you know, a, a good big guy. They don't really have a good big guy still. Draymond's incredible. He didn't play, obviously, and that was a big loss for them. But their defense is still so good. They move so quickly. Steve Kerr said before the game, they kind of they're on a string, and it's exactly right. I mean, those guys are always filling in for wherever anybody else has, and that's gutsy. It's a hard way to play. You have to have so many things go right to to play that way. Uh, but they did. They did well against the Jazz, even without Draymond Green, because they have a bunch of players who like to play defense and want to play defense, and that's the the culture they've built. Uh, so they were great, and then the, with the loss, Jake, the Jazz are one and five against teams that would open the playoffs at home meaning they'd have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, the top four seeds in each conference. The Jazz are 1-5 against those teams uh, so far this season in their uh, first six chances. And, of course, the one win came on the road in Milwaukee, who didn't have Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez. So I'm curious if it's time to hit the panic button that the Jazz aren't beating good teams and what that might mean come the playoff time. Mm, no, not time to hit the panic button. I'm with you. I think the Jazz in, in most of those games, I mean, the game against Golden State, they could have easily won that game. A couple of other things go their way. Yes. Andre Iguodala doesn't bang down a critical three in the fourth right. quarter, which he hasn't done right. since Barack Obama was president. Shoots 20% from the three yeah. point line. I right. mean, just stuff. Uh, so, no, not the time to hit the panic button. I think we still know the Jazz are a good team. Are, are they the best team in the league? 
maybe, maybe not. I Are don't think flawless? we know. They're certainly not flawless. They're not flawless, and I do think that's maybe what we've learned over the last couple of games. You watch Anthony Edwards really go to task against Royce O'Neal, and then so did Andrew Wiggins. I mean, especially in the first half, Wiggins was incredible. Much less so in the second half, but was really good in the first half. And, and look, you're seeing it. There was an article in The Ringer today that I saw from Kevin O'Connor, not former Jazz general manager. But the other one. The other Kevin O'Connor who covers the NBA. And he said it. A lot of guys are saying it. I think I, think I saw... Hollinger say it as well. It's just clear the Jazz do not have a secondary defender to team with Rudy Gobert on the perimeter that can make a difference. Correct. They just don't have one. And and Royce O'Neal's good. I think a lot of people like Royce O'Neal because he was such a, he was an undrafted star. You know, he's a guy who came out of nowhere and you got him for nothing. And we love a deal. So you got this guy who's pretty cheap and productive and you know does a lot of the unsung stuff and that's fantastic. And still, we can go back and you know I can make the comp to Ohio State. <laughs> It's just you got to have stars sometimes at positions. The Jazz don't have a star defender that isn't Rudy Gobert. And you know what? If you want to win at the highest levels, you probably got to find a guy who can defend a little bit better on the perimeter. And right now, the Jazz don't have one. Well, and we can get. I I defend Royce O'Neal a lot. I'm not going to disagree with what you said right there, Ben. But to to defend him just a little bit. He's the best they got. Oh, for sure. So I, if absolutely. you're going to throw a criticism Royce's way, which, again, I, I think is valid, but what does that say about everybody no, else? No, it's a defense? criticism yeah. of the Jazz. Yes. It's not a criticism of Royce O'Neal at all. It's a criticism of the Jazz. The same way you could criticize. It's not Makai Bernard's fault that he was having to play corner against a five-star right. wide receiver who's going to be the fourth overall pick when he hadn't played that position since he was in high school. That's Utah's fault. That's the youth's fault. They did not have enough depth at that position. Right now, the Jazz do not have enough talent on the perimeter defensively to win a championship. I, I can, believe in that. Yeah. I, I feel very confident sure. that that's the case. Jazz won't win a championship at this current performance per, on the perimeter defensively. So either somebody's got to find it. Either, yeah. Either or, somebody really has to step up and they're going to have to start playing Trent Forrest or Jared Butler significant minutes. And one of those guys has to prove that, not that they're Lou Dort, but that, they, that they're better. Or the Jazz need to go out and find a guy. And they're going to have to make a trade to get that guy. And you're going to have to give up somebody you like to get that guy. But you have to be willing to shift that power balance that you have a little bit away from offense and a little bit more to defense. And the good news is, you're so good offensively, you probably have a little wiggle room if you want to make that trade. Well, that's the gamble, right? I mean, that's... Because you're going to have to sacrifice some offense for it. Correct. Or somebody has to dig deep and, and become a different... Basically a different defensive player. I, I think there are candidates for that if we want to go down that road. But it's hard to ask a Tiger to change its stripes. Correct. Like, Jordan Clarkson is not going to turn into Marcus Smart over the weekend. No. And we've seen better efforts from Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I know but, he's been better. But he's not the answer. And it's still, you're, you're going to need help because you're asking Rudy Gobert to do so much against still against the best teams in the NBA. Like you saw on Saturday, you were asking him to do so much to stop Steph Curry. And he actually did. He did a really great job preventing Steph Curry from going off for the first... 42 minutes of the game. And then late, you know, Steph had that 5-0 run where he hit a mid-range shot, and then he hit a three, and then, of course, he had to foul him a bunch, so his point total and his night ended up looking better than it probably actually was. But you're asking Rudy to be the best perimeter defender and the best rim protector on the team. It's too much for one guy. Was it 
I think it was Jordan Poole who accidentally set a pick on that second three. Did you see that? The brilliance of Steph Curry. Yes. I mean, yeah. he ran and ran. I'm pretty sure it was Poole. Ran around Poole. Poole's just standing yeah. there. like, yeah. And it got him that, that right. three point. I mean, that was nothing drawn up. That was Correct. just a heads up. Brilliant hey, that play. guy's yep. standing there. I could use him as a pick as long as he doesn't move. Don't move. Don't move. Yeah. Don't move. And basically got the shot that Poole himself could have gotten. But... He's not Steph Curry. No. And that, and that ball, ball was going in because that's who he is. But I, that just makes me laugh. I mean, that's how smart that guy is. Like yep. He doesn't even need you to set a pick for you to set a pick. Right. Yeah. He recognizes, yes, he recognizes how you're going to have to bend and where he can find the small window for a shot. And if, if Jordan Poole is just standing there, you have to bend your defense to move around him, and that's going to give him that window. It's crazy. That's how good he is. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's why he's you know, arguably the best off-the-ball player in NBA history. And he's so good with the ball in his hands, and even better, he can run around off the ball or you know space differently based on who's around him without you even recognizing that he's using those guys as and space. I do think Steve Kerr is a bit of the, hey, you there, Steph, go make a three oh, kind of coach. But some players, that's exactly what they need. They need a coach right. that's going to get out of the way. Yes. Steve Kerr's a really good coach. You can see it because they're playing so well defensively. He doesn't need a lot of credit yeah, for Yeah, but, do you know, Luke Walton was a good coach when he was coaching the yeah, Warriors. Correct. Yeah. No, it certainly helps. You, Curry, go make that three-point shot. No, they, exactly what like we've talked about. They have stars. You know, Draymond's a star. They didn't know he was a star when they drafted him, but he turned into a superstar. Changes everything defensively, and in fact, is so good, he trains people how to be good even when he's not on the floor. Like, they still played like Draymond was on the floor because Draymond has taught that team so well and called them out and coached them on the floor so well that they still play defense like Draymond's on the floor. So is Draymond now sucking up a lot of credit for some other good defenders' work? Should we not be considering Draymond for Defensive Player of the Year? No, in fact, before the game... Uh, Quinn Snyder said he should be considered an MVP, MVP candidate. I know, I heard that. I thought that was interesting. But Rudy, to bring this conversation full circle, is literally doing it by himself. Correct. And Draymond Green's got a team full of great defenders. Yes. Certainly guys who are defending harder. And probably more talented at it. And you wonder why Rudy's grumpy in some post games Because he's got to be... He's, he gets to watch all of it, right? Because he's standing there in the back watching everybody... Get yet, beat like they stole something. Let's go back to our Royce O'Neal conversation really quickly. If you like Royce O'Neal as the Jazz best perimeter defender, think of how much you'd like him if he was the Jazz second best perimeter right. defender. Right, no, great point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great when, imagine if Donovan Mitchell was the Jazz second best offensive player. <laughs> okay, that means you, it didn't make Donovan worse. It means you got somebody better. If you go out and get somebody who's better than Royce O'Neal, great. Let Royce lock up the second best yeah. player. That's incredible. Then you're a really good team. That's that's going to be the question. For Nobody the in the entire league guards the other team's best player more than Royce O'Neal. Correct. You think Royce would be like, hey, Royce, how would you like to do that mm. for about half the time? Yes, please. Lou, Lou Dortz out there? That's great. Yes. Maybe Royce would uh, make a couple more of those threes if he wasn't dog-tired from yes. chasing Chase. Steph Curry around every right. pick. Oh, Steph's off the floor. Well, who are you guarding now? Uh, Wiggins or what? You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, oh, right. well, he's going off in this morning. Oh, Anthony Edwards tonight? Who's tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, you get Brandon Ingram? That's a tough role. Yeah. That's a tough role. No, it's brutal. All right, stay tuned. Ben is uh, going to talk about the college football playoff. I'm take a victory next. lap. Yeah, I'm going to be mean to a listener. It's going to happen. <laughs> Not too mean, though. 
just mean spirited. He didn't put his real name on there. That's true. I'm being mean to a nobody. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res, the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet uh, that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. Book online, ZeroResSaltLake.com or up north at ZeroResDavisWeber.com. More Jacob Ben next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.